Hi, I'm Anita Johnson, and it's time to put your money where your media is. Please support Making Contact with a donation at radioproject.org. Now, through December 31st, your donation will be doubled by Newsmatch. If you sign up for a new monthly donation, Newsmatch will double it for the whole year. Your $10 a month could instantly become $240 to help produce people-powered radio. Thank you, and here's the show. Our system is, in too many ways, broken. The way we see the world shapes the way that we treat it. This is Making Contact. On today's Making Contact, we started the OSHA looking for the pot. The size of the pot would determine the number of people we could feed. We hear how hundreds of people were fed during pandemic lockdowns in Buenos Aires at community kitchens called Ollas Populares. OSHA is Spanish for pot and populares meaning for the public because anyone can eat from them and anyone can cook for them. Volunteers at One Oja explored how preparing the meals helped solidify a sense of identity for their arts organization. What's the difference between the Oja Popular in La Casona de Humahuaca, that has an identity in recreation, games, and social activities, and the Oja in a political organization, or the Oja from the Army? What's our special contribution? If all of this sounds familiar, it's because this episode originally aired in November last year. Reporter Rosina Castillo takes us through her Buenos Aires neighborhood for the story. I live in the southern part of the city of Buenos Aires. My neighborhood area is called Abasto, Almagro, and Boedo. It's a working class neighborhood. Many of 1920s anarchists, communists, and later union workers lived and thrived here. Their ideas still float around. They are like a community ghost, uniting us. Now, it's still known for social and cultural organizations and art. Lots of art. Here we are at the intersection of San Juan and Boedo, an historic corner. Many tango orchestras performed here, turning it into a hub for tango music and poetry culture. When I get to the iconic corner, people wave to each other. They talk at little coffee tables. I am a journalist. When lockdowns were announced, I remember thinking, OK, I can work from home. No much will change for me. But I also love to sing in an amateur chorus. After a few weeks alone without singing, I started to wonder, who am I if I can do what I love? La Casona de Mahuaca is an organization in my neighborhood. It's a cozy storefront, painted in bright colors. It stands out from the more modern buildings next door. Normally, they host game nights and put on plays. 
These activities connect neighbors and help the community process trauma. During the lockdowns, they couldn't gather. La Casona de Umahuaca came under the same pandemic lockdown rules that we felt inside our homes, so the question applied to them too. If they can do what they love, who are they? They returned to the basics. Law said that you could not gather but for the essentials. Okay, eating is essential. They had a little restaurant in which they sell food or afternoon coffee. So La Casona put their kitchen to use, feeding and nourishing people. And there were plenty of hungry people. In 2020, half of the population in Argentina struggled with poverty. For children, it was worse. La Casona was one of hundreds of political and social organizations that started community kitchens. Here in Argentina, these pop-up meal spots are called ollas populares. Olla is Spanish for pot, and populares meaning for the public, because anyone can eat from them, and anyone can cook for them. They've been a part of Argentine culture for a long time. When things get bad, people pull out their pots, their ollas, and start cooking for everyone. My friend made this recording of La Casona Socha. The food was cooked and they had opened the window from the kitchen out to the street. They offered the plate to a man walking by. You can hear him say, but I don't have anything, like he can't pay. A volunteer responds, igual te damos. We'll still give it to you. Oshas happen all over South America during the lockdowns, all of them with their regional distinctions. In Buenos Aires, we make the famous guiso, estu. But a guiso's ingredients change based on the region. In Almagro, Abasto, Amoedo, we do guiso with rice, lentils, or pasta. We tried to add some meat and vegetables to give it flavor. We started the olla looking for the pot. The size of the pot would determine the number of people we could feed. That was the first thing. Guille is a teacher. He has volunteered at La Casona de Mahuaca for the past 20 years. One of the members was sure they had a big osha somewhere in the kitchen. Maybe it had been used during another difficult time. Maybe during the 2001 economic crisis. They looked in the basement. They asked around, who has the osha? Who has the pot? They never found the pot. But that didn't stop them. We asked around, and another organization lent us the pot that we are using. We also used the other small pots that we had in our kitchen. La Casona made a flyer with all the ollas happening in the neighborhood. If you went to one, you would get the flyer, and in it you could find out where to eat that same night or the next day at a different osha. They call this network Comité Solidario de Emergencia, 
Committee of Solidarity and Emergency. Through the committee, the organizations also helped each other get donations for the OSHAs. I know this because at this point, I had many friends that were helping in the OSHAs. I offered to develop their website. And that's the thing. Everyone offered what they could. My name is Mariela Jambert. I'm a social psychologist and a cultural worker. Mariela says a cultural worker is someone who promotes culture through art or food, and in her case, games and theater. This is a widely used term in the country. Before the lockdowns, Mariela worked at La Casona. She used games and theater to interact with the neighborhood. Community contact was essential for her identity, so when La Casona shut down, joining efforts to make Anosha was obvious for Mariela, though she felt a bit insecure in the kitchen. We had no idea. We never made Anosha before, but we made sure that there was someone on the team who knew. One thing sorted, but they needed money. Soon, other organizations in their network pitched in. We borrowed the pot, we added the water, the neighbor added the effort. Many of us put in the effort. Then the donatives came. If you ask me what's the ingredient that cannot be missing in each other, it's participation. The love and participation towards the other, the empathy. And it was fun. Mariela and Guiche told me the cooks would challenge themselves to improve at each meal. They made internal duels to produce more flavor and more difficult dishes. In La Casona, volunteers at the OSHA told me they needed the OSHAs to feed themselves and to provide for the neighborhood. But something else came out of the OSHA for La Casona. We had a debate internally. What's the difference between the Olla Popular in La Casona de Humahuaca, that has an identity in recreation, games, and social activities, and the Olla in a political organization, or the Olla from the Army? What's our special contribution? Stopping to ask themselves this question helped them understand their identity. What makes La Casona, La Casona? Then we have the question of what are we providing? What are we bringing to the table? Our vision is embedded in artistry, play, collective action. It's not that we give that touch to the Oja consciously. We do it because it's who we are. I get what Mariela is describing here. Technically, their OSHA is not different from other OSHAs. But while they cooked, they established certain rituals and celebration days. Their unity was maintained. We managed to maintain the neighborhood rituals despite being in our homes. Through forming an OSHA, La Casona strengthened their identity, but the organization was also transformed by the process. El Comité Solidario started working with a network of agriculture workers that united to combat the abuse they suffered from big distributors. This is how they learned about sustainable agriculture. 
changing the way they look at food and consumption. La Casona started cooking with their products. Now they use these new products at the restaurant. What personally transformed me is knowing that behind the vegetable or the product of the cooperative enterprise that we consume, when you eat those, you feel another flavor. And I think it's the same for the people of the olla. When they eat our food, they feel that it's not just a piece of vegetable or meat. There are other condiments. There is an effort to be better. They applaud the cooks. How delicious. When I started reporting this story, I could barely talk about those difficult lockdown days. At that time, I felt inspired by people who took action during such a crisis. I was paralyzed. They took action. I wanted to know why and how. I wanted to talk to them, learn with them, and get some of that strength. I am still working on all that has happened. I haven't finished processing, but the collective experience of the OSHA keeps inspiring me to this day. San Juan y Boedo Antigua y todo el cielo as the tango says, there is nostalgia for the past times. But I believe transformation is here too. Now I know it's possible to do things differently than they have always been done. I can transform how I do things. This is now part of my identity. And my identity walks and sings side by side with this neighborhood and its rituals. Una luz de almacén, ya nunca me verás como me vieras, recostado en la vidriera y esperándote. Ya nunca alumbraré con las estrellas nuestra marcha sin querellas por las noches de Pompeya. We're jumping in to remind you that you are listening to Making Contact. This is a special encore episode about Ollas Populares that originally aired in November 2022. Let us know what you think at radioproject.org. Okay, now back to the show. The group at La Casona de Umahuaca was one of thousands of Ollas Populares that emerged across Argentina during pandemic lockdowns. In other places, like Peru, ollas are called ollas comunes. In Lima, ollas comunes were especially prevalent in the poorest areas, the outskirts of the city. Lima is tucked between the Pacific Ocean to the west and the Andes Mountains to the east. The population has swelled in recent years with people relocating from the countryside. They come to the city looking for opportunities for work and education, and they settle in the outermost ring of the city, which is increasingly creeping up the foothills of the Andes. These communities are self-built on terraced ground with limited flat space. They often lacked official infrastructure like lines for electricity and sewers. It's an area subject to earthquakes and mudslides. This means traditional approaches to gathering and building and cooking have to be rethought. We sat down with Belin de Masson, a Peruvian architect and urbanist who helped conceptualize and build modular food prep structures 
for one Lima Hillside community's Oja Comun. In 2020, she was working in the Jose Carlos Mariategui neighborhood with a group called the Action Research Project. The group included academics from Lima and London and an NGO, but also the people living there. They were building infrastructure to help provide basic services like sanitation and electricity. But all of their projects were put on hold when COVID started to spread. This crisis of food insecurity, the inability to feed themselves like quickly emerged. So it was also, I think, a, a response from uh, researchers, but also like uh, people themselves, the NGOs, like this is what, what we need to do and this is what, how we need to engage with uh, the rest of the, of the research project that lasted, lasted till uh, March 2022. Since gathering was restricted, the team met primarily over Zoom and chatted on WhatsApp. They figured out pretty quickly that the flexibility of those communication platforms actually enabled greater participation for busy community members, which is important because the community members drove the design process. And uh, I think one of the positive aspects of the pandemic is that we all became aware and, uh, and uh, familiar with Zoom and other virtual media platform. So like comparing the work or the level of engagement and networking of the OES Comunes of that emerged during COVID-19 and the previous ones, like you didn't have that level of communication engagement uh, as concept as it was during the pandemic when everyone was able to join some meetings or WhatsApp groups. So communication was quite constant. Together, the team came up with a plan for five structures that could be built with cheap local materials. They prioritized a simple roofed pergola as shelter for the cooks. They also built a stove, a hand washing station, a storage unit, and a garden unit, including raised beds and bins for composting. Demason says the fact that these structures are modular is key. So you can like replicate them or like use them, change the, the nature, the size. So say you have been able to adapt to different uh, spaces where the community kitchens take place. So like it's, it's a kitchen, it's also a roof, a storage facility and uh, bathrooms. And the community kitchens also needed uh, community gardens. So this is a full idea of what kind of food we're providing for our communities and like if we grow our own food, perhaps have a better diet, better food, organic food. Because right now the donations that they get are, are not necessarily like the best kind of food. It's all processed food. The modular structures were only built in two locations. But the idea is that what they did can be replicated elsewhere. The thing is, each olla, even within José Carlos Mariategui, is different. Some were simply pots set up in open spaces. They take turns in different houses. Others happen in the fork. Some attend like 50 families, so they're up to 200. So it's like also important to be able to acknowledge those differences. Um, recognizing that some community kitchens already have like a roof or a toilet or a kitchen or like none. So how do you add up with, with those things? So each neighborhood is unique. In Jose Carlos Mariategui, people couldn't afford gas for cooking. So they built a modular stove in a way that could use fuel from wood. Or like whatever they can find. 
this is not really architectural, it's more engineering. This is what was a very multidisciplinary team. Yes, I'm an architect, but we work with uh, mechanical engineers, with sociologists, with ecologists. So this whole idea of like how to uh, create spaces, both metaphorically and physical, that respond to the necessities and the aspirations of people. Demason is particularly concerned with the aspirations of women. She's interested in how communal spaces for cooking and childcare can help free up their time to pursue other things. But this isn't a new concept. In fact, it's very old. She says cooking and childcare used to be communal, but were privatized during the Industrial Revolution, and since then have increasingly isolated women in homes. Cities and households have been designed from like a male perspective. Uh, yeah, that predominantly white male that goes from the house to work. So the whole transport system, uh, the house itself, like it's, it's felt like this place of refuge for him because he just gets to the house, uh, rests after work. Like th- I'm talking about like the 1950s, 60s, like the 20th century. So how is that changing now? How do we create places uh, for women, for children, uh, and, and, and for caregivers, really, that are many times uh, not recognized, not remunerated? They have to do these activities at, uh, individually. Like what would be the benefits of engaging with uh, a more communal aspects of these caring activities, which is cooking, okay, taking care of the children, of the elderly. Uh, should it just be like a more like shared responsibilities within the household, but also between the household, like communities and uh, a, a higher sense of responsibility from municipalities, uh, the government itself. The team designed the modules and prepared the terrace land with this communal caregiving responsibility in mind. Uh, these kitchens serve the purpose of, uh, at the moment, food insecurity. So getting the donations, but like those spaces could become something more, like expanding care beyond the provision and the co- like cooking of, of food, right? So they normally live in very small houses that may lack water, sanitation, electricity. Uh, so these community centers that now work at for food production can also become places for children to be able to do their homework after school, for the elderly also to have places. So this idea of, again, making communal caregiving activities that were happening at the individual level by offering a better infrastructure for where those activities can take place. And that would also mean, again, like mothers have to stay home for when the children are from school, that they can take turns using this community center to be able to engage with other activities, uh, whereas as working or studying or just sleeping because it's not my turn today to take care of everyone's kids. Like, I think uh, it's something that's really appreciated by, by them. And they, they were the ones that had that necessity clear from the beginning. It's not something that we came up with um, as architects or designers. I think we are all dependent on care at one point in our lives, and it should be integrated to allow caregivers to have not even like more income, it's more about time for themselves as well to decide whatever they want to do. The gendered aspects of the labor of caregiving has been a hot topic surrounding the pandemic, 
Women have borne the brunt of caregiving work during lockdowns, but women are also innovating. Damason says when the research action group was looking for a community to build with, they were walking through a prospective neighborhood in Jose Carlos Mariategui. Uh, this woman just came chasing us while we were walking. And so like, you need to work with, with us. Like we have it all figured out. We have the plot there. We're already working with these people. Her name is Eliana Achata. We weren't able to get a hold of her for this story. She was the one that really pushed us through the whole process, like with sweat and tears and blood. Like she had to, her whole community got together to be able to flatten the lot because it was like on the hillside. So it's a lot of work of like breaking stones with whatever you have to be able to then build something on, on there to be able to like stabilize uh, the terrain. And like, yeah, she was someone that didn't even know how to build, but like through the process, she helped with the construction of the walls, the roof. Uh, and I think it's like a really interesting experience to see how it is uh, a mutually learning experience. Like we all get something from from there beyond like the research, like how people's lives, knowledge, capacities change during the process. The project was propelled by the pressure of hunger and there was no option to wait until lockdowns were lifted to plan a solution. The municipality of Lima also created like a, how we call it, like a discussion table with community kitchens, but also other institutions. So like the Ministry of Social Development or NGOs and uh, Senka, but working in other areas of the peripheries. You have academia as well beyond the Catholic universities so people from different backgrounds in uh, environmental engineering or food production or sociology. So it's this whole discussion of like how to also work hand in hand, share experiences, share limitations, struggles, problems, coming up with ways in which to provide solutions for the emergency, but also thinking and recognizing the importance of of sustaining these practices of solidarity, care beyond the the COVID-19 pandemic. So that also falls like in the whole working as, as an architect, as an urbanist, like all this discussion on uh, feminism, uh, care, as something that should be promoted and inserted into, into design, both of architectural, but also like in planning and, and urban design. The multidisciplinary action research team was able to offer resources and ideas to the Jose Carlos Mariategui neighborhood, but Demason acknowledges that they were simply an addition to the organizing that was already taking place in the area. Like it was us coming into something that was already happening and like uh, to see ways in which we, from our like knowledge of technical knowledge of being able to design, build, how can we help uh, processes that were already going? So I think in that sense, um, I must acknowledge that uh, research, academic research nowadays, at least the ones that I engage with, like participatory processes or production, are, are also trying to render visible and acknowledging other ways of knowing and being, like beyond academia. Because academia itself, research has like for many, many decades been more, conceived more as like an elitist, extractivist scenario when like I go, I do my interview, I publish a paper. 
like nothing happens to to you. So like we're trying, I think, uh, at least in my research, I'm very interested in like seeing which to in which research can benefit not only me as a researcher, but mostly those communities and, and people that we work with. I mostly work with historic and marginalized communities. So like this whole reproduction of like inequalities, research seeing like being one way, uh, I think it needs to, needs to change. So that's why uh, I prefer to talk of like them leading the research projects. Most of the times they already know exactly what they want, what the problems are, uh, who do they need to talk to uh, from the municipality or the national government, what are the ex- their expectations for the future. So it's really more about uh, the university or academia becoming facilitators uh, that are able to uh, bring their voices to those people that need to hear, like working in, in union with them or for them to be able to achieve their objectives of, of more recognition. That's it for Making Contact today. I'm Amy Gastelum. Thanks for hanging out. If you want to learn more about the organizations or the people in today's show, check out our website, radioproject.org. Until next week.